It's not only about just solving that point upon purchase that we're making it seamless, but it's how can we educate the brand? How can we help the brand, give them insights to actually produce better garments or make better decisions around inventory, around sizes that they make, etc. So not only solving the problem from a purchase level perspective, but from a manufacturing perspective as well. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. You have likely read about Savage Fenty's store and the innovative fit tech that it has implemented. And this technology isn't just glitzy or super fun and easy to use. It serves a really big need. And that experience is powered by FitMatch. And FitMatch, well, I'm not going to try and explain it fully. Their founder and CEO, Hanif Brown, will do that. But in a nutshell, FitMatch creates digital twins that allow consumers to quickly and easily find the best size for them. And it isn't just about sizing and fit. This technology can also lead to better product recommendations, more streamlined product creation. The possible impact is incredible. So with that, you may have heard about FitMatch, read about it in the news, but today we have Hanif on the show to dig into his story, the why behind FitMatch, and really what's next. Listen in, this conversation is fascinating, so I really hope you enjoy it. Hanif, thank you so much for being on the show. It is great to meet you and can't wait to talk shop with you. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have a conversation. So you have a really interesting background. You've spent the bulk of your career in finance and private equity. I have to ask, what made you decide to start your own company? I had a pretty interesting journey from college. I worked in investment banking, but in the retail and consumer group. And then I worked for one of the bank's top private private equity clients. But that private equity firm invested solely in retail and consumer businesses. So although I have a finance background, my entire career in that field was spent looking, analyzing, and investing in retail and consumer companies. So in terms of my passion area, it's really on the consumer side, the retail side, solving pain points for business owners who I saw their business growing and um, scaling to new levels that got me really, really excited about doing that piece instead of just investing passively, really being an entrepreneur, being an operator. I found that piece of our business model to be the most exciting. And given that I was doing a lot of it in retail and consumer, I thought about the problems that I was seeing top down and building out a solution 
for retail and consumer companies and their end consumers. Yeah. I find it really fascinating that you were so focused on retail and consumer goods because sometimes you hear about finance and private equity. Some of these firms tend to go very broad, like they go across industries. But because of that focus, it really allowed you to fully comprehend the depth of challenges and change that was happening in the industry, which I'm sure was super beneficial for you because you could uncover some new ideas or new opportunities to become an entrepreneur and and drive that tangible change in the market. So of all the challenges and I guess opportunities out there, why did you think fit was the one to tackle? Like what gave you that insight? Yeah, absolutely. And you're exactly right. Towards the end of my tenure in private equity, you know, you talk to different operators in boardrooms and you start to see pretty consistent themes. At that time, a lot of what was coming up over and over again was the immense challenge of reverse logistics. And what that meant was opportunity. So you had some operators that were benefiting from providing solutions to retailers around reverse logistics, but also actually just solving the problem itself, right? Which was, how can I get this problem of returns of customers not having the right product once it arrived in the mail, that disappointment factor, and then everything else in the ecosystem that drives just returning that garment back to either the store or throughout the distribution channel, how can I solve that at scale? And I just thought of fit as this one area that had the most pain point. I remember reading something where if you ask an apparel shopper, for her most important parameters when shopping, it's price, which obviously will be number one, and then fit, it was a close second. More than style, more than delivery, more than anything else. Yet still, the problem was so pronounced in apparel that I just really believe that, one, this is just, it remains a massive opportunity to solve, and then two, really making sure that the right solution was built. That was really what got me excited in terms of solving hard problems with like fascinating transformative solutions. So it was a combination of just looking at the sector itself, looking at what still wasn't solved and what was giving people sort of pain points. And also seeing opportunity where I think that how we're building FitMatch is the correct way to solve this problem at scale. That's great, Hanif. Yeah, usually when I have founders and entrepreneurs on the show, I always love to get to the heart of the why. Like, why this particular issue or pain point? And and why do you kind of think you're the person or one of the people to help address this challenge? So it seems like the reasoning or the connecting point for you is that there were so many broader implications of sizing, right? Like if you think about it in context of some of like the key industry trends right now, like I feel like for a while there, fit was just kind of like the thing you had to figure out and it's kind of annoying. It leads to returns, but no one really had the answer or no one really wanted to dig into it. But from your answer, it seems like you got excited about all of the broader implications of like how fit and sizing impacts customer experience, brand loyalty, and just like how 
good a consumer feels to shop with your brand. Because I know for me, honestly, I would rather pay more as long as I have the right fit and right sizing. Like I feel good in in the clothes. And I'm sure there are some folks who feel the same way. So I feel like there is a much deeper, a much deeper value of fit, even though it's sometimes, you know, it's, it's sometimes not as addressed, I feel like. So I feel like you kind of hit on it. Is that kind of why you felt most excited to tackle this issue? Absolutely. Also, I do believe that the ultimate end goal of any entrepreneur, innovative entrepreneur in retail and consumer is to make the shopping experience as frictionless as possible. So look at grocery, right? There's all these technologies around self-checkout and, for example, no checkout with Amazon Go. So what's the equivalent in apparel retail? The equivalent is the brand already knows who you are. You don't have to look at sizing charts. You don't have to play a guessing game to see what's your right size or what's your right fit. And you worse don't have to be disappointed once that item arrives in the mail in sort of like, will it work? And so that's a lot of friction around those steps. And so from an apparel retail standpoint, it really comes back down to, okay, this is a messy problem. It's hairy. It has a lot of challenges. But if you can solve it, you can actually unlock a lot of value in terms of creating a shopping experience that is truly frictionless. And I do believe that the most innovative companies, the most innovative brands are on this path to removing friction from the omni-channel shopping experience. And if you're an apparel brand in a hard-to-fit category, think of denim, intimate, swimwear, performance activewear, et cetera, fit is right up there in terms of friction. So that's really what got me energized, got me to sort of look at this problem in a deep manner. And I spent about a year before even launching FitMatch just studying the problem. I went up to Ithaca to work with a professor, a Professor Susan Ashdown, in her lab with her PhD class, just understanding why is this not solved, studying every solution on the market and really analyzing the market from a top-down level even before putting pen to paper and building the first iteration of what we launched in market. That's so fascinating. So to the end, you started the company in, I believe, 2018. So it seems like you had about a year and a half or so before the pandemic started. So what did that period look like in terms of building the case for the category, right? Illustrating the value to retailers. I mean, once you kind of did that deep work and understanding the issue, What came next for you in terms of getting the message out there, building that urgency and not just building urgency, but saying like, hey, there is a way to address this and like, let us help you do that. Yeah. And also in that period, moved from New York down to Florida. So I knew that this was going to take time because from the very start, I know or I believe that one of the biggest issues as to why this hasn't been solved is that. The brands, I feel, feel the pain point more in a lot of ways than the end consumers. And that sounds very counterintuitive. Like, of course, it's their end consumers. But if you think about the pain that they feel, both financial, logistics, etc., I felt like we needed to sort of embark on building an enterprise-level solution that understood that they can't just 
snap their fingers and roll out this technology to millions of consumers overnight. You have to sort of really think through their business model. So I knew it was going to take time to really evolve our solution that where one day we'll be able to work with multi-billion dollar companies. So I moved down to Florida, hunkered down here in South Florida, which was, again, pre-pandemic. And what I saw after starting to talk to brands, especially in the local market, was, yeah, this is a huge issue, especially if you're a direct-to-consumer brand and you're selling online for the first time, you're growing your business. One return has a massive impact on your bottom line, right? Because you don't just have a lot of inventory sitting out there. So started to work with local brands in Miami. And then I had a very counterintuitive idea about this, that doing this at the retail level, so at the brick and mortar level first, was an easier way to iterate quickly, as you know, fail fast, as they commonly say, versus trying to convince these large retailers to put this on their website day one. I always knew that was the end goal, but actually convinced some of the real estate developers to give me spaces in their malls. And we launched a concept with Brookfield, one of the largest real estate developers in the country, but in specifically in Florida, to launch sort of a first generation concept where I worked with local brands, learned a lot, learned what worked with the technology, really incubated the idea here. And then once that was ready, I slowly started to iterate the concept around the country. So then I took it to Chicago with Brookfield and Dallas and then LA. And then really fast forward, what I saw was that as the pandemic started to roll on, the concept and the need for contactless shopping at the brick and mortar level became more and more interesting to the retailers and the brands. And then overall, consumers were much more willing to engage with new technology as their shopping habits became sort of moved more to a digital sphere. So really, we saw a lot of sort of energy around what we were doing throughout the pandemic that really gave us this sort of impetus to keep going. The one other thing I would say here is, Before the pandemic, we sort of looked at the shopping equation and we said, what is one thing that just sucks about it, right? And we came up with this tagline that said, never have to try and close again. And then fast forward during the pandemic, all these like large retailers started to shut their fitting rooms. So you actually could not try on clothes. <laughs> so our literally our tagline on our website was never have to try on clothes. And then all these fitting rooms said clothes. And then people realized that you couldn't try on clothes. And so people started to now look at what we were doing even more. So yeah, the pandemic, honestly, as tragic as it was from a health perspective, from a business perspective, I think was a real accelerant in what we were doing for sure. Yeah. So in a way, the entire pandemic evolution and experience, like things that we were feeling as consumers kind of helped validate it in the wild, so to speak, which I'm sure was super beneficial for you. And obviously now we're really seeing fit take center stage in a lot of these strategic conversations, but also the experience conversations, which we were able to really get into, I think, a little bit earlier. So the cost and complexity of returns, the implications around customer experience. There's also inclusion, right? Like that kind of comes into that, right? Making it easy for people to feel like they 
can find the fit that they need, that the brand is representing them. I've even heard fit kind of get tied to sustainability now, right? Like, so once these items are returned, they're usually marked down and sometimes they're not purchased, which leads to waste, right? It's again, that ripple effect is super powerful. So have your conversations with retailers and brands evolve to kind of reflect all of these layers? Or do you find that typically they're focused on one particular area and your job is to kind of show them, oh, no, 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 it's not just this. It's like all of these other things. And that leads to significant value. Like how how are those conversations going now? Yeah, no, it's a great point. For us, there are really three components that we try to focus on. And it's really in this order. The first one is we know that this creates a better shopping experience, right? And with a better shopping experience, consumers, they purchase more and they convert more because they have more confidence as well as they're more loyal to the brands. So we can actually solve for that using this technology, which shows Jessica, she purchases more per order, she converts more, she signs up for their VIP program more. That in turn leads to the second problem that we're solving, which is she will most likely return less as well, right? She's loyal, she's confident in what she's bought, she knows exactly what size she is, and that was a seamless process. She, Jessica, is returning less. And so we're reducing returns, which is really the second component. And then the third component is much more on the data analytics side, right? Which is, it's not only about just solving that point upon purchase that we're making it seamless, but it's how can we educate the brand? How can we help the brand, give them insights to actually produce better garments or make better decisions around inventory, around sizes that they make, et cetera. So not only solving the problem from a purchase level perspective, but from a manufacturing perspective as well. Those are really the three areas that we focus on and intertwined in that is obviously digital experiences, it's obviously a better shopping and less friction, it's obviously sustainability as well. So we believe that a big reason why brands should focus on this is really because it provides a holistic solution that answers sort of all the key components that they need to continue to focus on. Love that. So with that, let's kind of get into the nitty gritty of how the FitMatch tech works. So you talked about the user journey, which is super helpful, but are there any nitty gritty technical details that, you know, the listeners need to know as far as how this works, how that data gets collected and ultimately how it turns into recommendations? Because I've seen, I'll be sure to link to a video in the show notes or resources around how this journey comes to life because it's so cool. So, I mean, can you break it down as best as you can in an audio podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. So measurements don't work, right? You see it on websites. I'm sure you've had to fill out a survey here or there. You enter your measurements, especially for hard to fit categories. Think of a bra that has 50 sizes. That's 49 ways you can get it wrong, right? As a shopper, it's very complex. And so measurements just don't work. Like five different women can have the same measurements, right? And they have five different bra sizes. Shape actually works. So if we can actually get someone's shape and make predictions based on body shape, we believe this is the ultimate solve. And we've actually shown it in 
not only the metrics, but our KPIs, that shape is actually the biggest determinant of fit. So here's where we're different. What we have is a patent. We have a patented methodology that can make these recommendations based on your shape. And how we do it is actually very interesting and actually groundbreaking. So what we do is we actually build a database of digital twins with a brand. And based on fitting those digital twins on the back end on a proprietary process, we can actually sort of build out a matrix of digital twins for each size of a product that a brand offers. And what happens is that, let's say in a retail store or online, we get a customer using augmented reality to upload a scan, a 3D scan of themselves. What our technology does is that it looks for the closest digital twin in that database. And once we analyze your shape versus that digital twin's shape, we're able to then take the information we know for a fact, like fit intent, how it drapes the digital twin's body, and of course, the size that works for that digital twin, we're able to take that information and extrapolate that onto the person who just got the scan. And we do all of that within 30 to 45 seconds. So basically what this technology is doing and why it's really interesting to some of these enterprise brands is that we're removing the need to do any measurements or to rely on any garment specs or the fact that you're 27 inches in waist, the garment is 27 inches, so you're going to fit a 27 inch or 27 size 27 pants. And we're actually saying, hey, we know your digital twin, right? And we are 100% sure she is your digital twin. So everything that we know about that digital twin, we're going to make the same recommendations to you. And fit and size is just a first iteration of this. You can think of other things that we can tell you about your digital twin. We can tell you like what styles work for her. We can tell you what colors she prefers. We can tell you her purchase history. So there are all these other aspects that come with the approach that we're doing, but that's the difference here. And we do that comparison to your digital twin, all based on your body shape. It's so fascinating. I think that idea of digital twins, I mean, it's something that I've heard in blips, I think, in conversations around product development, assortment planning, because it allows that level of granularity. But I think just based on my knowledge of the space and other, I wouldn't say comparative technologies, but similar or adjacent technologies in the fit space, I think the key thing that really stands out to me is how deep this goes. So you were talking about how the item drapes on the digital twin, how it can tie to recommendations and a more consultative extension of the experience. I mean, I feel like that's like that's the money grab there. <laughs> that, like, that's the big opportunity, right? It's not just like, oh, well, just use this size. Here you go. Like, good luck to you. It's like, 
oh no, this size is good, but maybe this product isn't best because the cut doesn't really align with your body type. Try this one instead. I mean, I'm sure it's a bit more technical and to the point than what I'm saying, but it seems like the value driver for especially those apparel retailers, the ones like in like lingerie, which we'll get to Savage Fenty in a second, but that seems to be the big benefit. Am I getting that right? Yeah, exactly right. And on top of that, as we scale, right, as we scale and we build a larger database of these digital twins and we understand the complexities that exist, the likelihood that we will have your digital twin six months from now increases as we scale as well. Because as we get more people to join the database, the more comprehensive that database becomes and therefore the higher the likelihood that your digital twin is in or underlying database. And there's a lot of AI, there's a lot of machine learning, there's obviously this patented methodology, but that's really the heart of this approach. And we believe that it has extensions not only around just size, but holistically about sort of creating this sort of frictionless commerce for these brands. Amazing. So it's almost crowdsourced and co-created by the users, which I'm sure is super cool for certain shoppers out there. Exactly. Right. Because, again, you feel much more of a connection to that person or eventually to that person if we can make that connection. Also, you trust it more because it's just it takes away from this sort of machine versus man concept where you can say, well, Yeah, I can see it, right? I know, for example, that that's a fit for her. And therefore, I trust more that the prediction is therefore going to be accurate. So it's almost serendipitous that Savage Fenty is using this technology because I feel like the essence of that brand and, of course, the founder, Rihanna, is the desire to create a brand that is accessible. Like, diversity is embedded into the business. It's all about, of course, the fandom for her, but the fandom for the brand. You know, I have to ask, I mean, how did that whole relationship come about and how has this particular implementation kind of unlocked new CX possibilities for FitMatch. Because again, I just feel like this is such a nice tie-in to not just the retail brands, but the mission and intention for FitMatch. Absolutely. So, you know, back to my original statement around from the very beginning, what I knew is that for this to work and to work at scale, we had to partner with the right brands to execute it and brands that understand their consumers, brands that are innovative, brands that can sort of package ideas but deliver it to their customer base in very innovative and digestible ways. And so through rolling out these different concepts that I mentioned across the country where we were having these different retail studios, we got introduced to different retailers in that process. And one was Savage by Fenty and tangentially Fabletics as well. And we really just connected on the overall vision on retail and then specifically for bra fitting, which is such a cumbersome manual and a lot of times inconsistent process for shoppers. We connected on this whole wave to really make this 
as frictionless and less intrusive as possible. So we embarked on not only taking the underlying matching technology, but also building a front-end solution that leverages augmented reality, that is really fast to use, that can be done with an associate or by yourself, and really building out an end-to-end product that can bring us one step closer to making this an extremely easy process to do. And with that, then scale out the solution to other brands, other retailers that can benefit from what we've built. Got it. So it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it seems like a lot of brands and retailers are not just willing to kind of go the distance with this, but they're excited about it. It seems like they're trying to see what those possibilities are. Is that right? No, absolutely. Both Fabletics and Savage by Fenty are investors in our business. And what I can say is that there is a willingness to not only have this technology, but go the distance with the technology. So without disclosing too much, I can tell you that we have a very aggressive roadmap on not only how we can transform the experience within the four walls, but eventually move this, which is the ultimate goal, to an omni-channel solution, giving the consumer ultimate optionality as to how they can do this. So as we think about the future and as this space evolves and the urgency surrounding fit expands, which it seems like this is going to be an ongoing conversation point, it seems like you're going to be tapping into that that omni-channel experience to further differentiate? I know you can't share much, but I mean, forward looking, like what are you trying to focus on as CEO? Absolutely. How to not only scale the solution, but also how to make it as frictionless as as possible. So we want to basically provide this that you're at home and let's say you're with a brand or you're considering buying from a brand, but you have no idea what size is for you. It's a new brand for you, but you love their positioning in the market or you love what they stand for. But that friction point is the fit, right? That friction point is you don't know if you're going to spend X amount of dollars before making the investment. And that's what we want to solve for. We want to be at that point where we either have your information and can provide you with a seamless experience to find that product or give you the chance to seamlessly find that product on the spot. And that could be in retail stores, that could be at home, or in sort of a hybrid approach. That's the ultimate goal here. And I would say that we're just scratching the surface in terms of our product roadmap, but it's really important that we do this right. So just like how we started methodically researching the problem, looking at other solutions, then we figured out, okay, we can actually do this with the digital twins and shape discrepancy values. Now we're taking a methodical approach on how we scale this out, ensuring that at each step, we're delivering the right experience to the end consumer. Super exciting. And I'm personally, I'm excited to see how this space continues to evolve because 
like we talked about earlier, there are so many implications. Like fit touches so many different things. The more you dig into it, the more you think about it. So very excited to see what your team has coming down the pike. But to close out our conversation, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and hear your story and how your company is tackling this exciting space. And obviously, FitMatch has been your baby for about four years now. Um, So I have to ask, what is both the hardest and most exciting part about being a founder? I guess not just a founder in general, right? But a founder for a company that is in the midst of a space that is so rapidly changing and a category that is so rapidly accelerating and rising to the top. I mean, how do you kind of navigate the change and the need to pivot, especially when you started this company and you may have a particular vision or idea in mind of where you want the business to go? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest challenge is that we're inventing a solution, a technology that doesn't exist. And at the same time, inventing a business model or convincing both retailers and consumers that this is a better way to do it. And so my challenge is and has been the vision of executing what we're building at the same time balancing the understanding that we're not there yet, right? But keeping that vision very, very clear and not allowing setbacks in terms of people who think, hey, this is never going to happen or consumer behavior is never going to change. I've been told no so many times. And I've also been told large retailers will never do this (laughs) so many times, right, that you would have just thrown in the towel. So the trick here is to remain, and the challenge has been to remain very, very visionary, forward-thinking, And almost always thinking like 12, 24 months out. Like when I talk to you now, I'm really thinking about the next 24 months, like what this will be. And never really making the current environment really change that. And so that really impacts us from like hiring. It impacts us from fundraising. It impacts us from brand partners. But I really do believe that I am the one right, you know, strict sense that I feel like this is a purpose of mine to solve this. And I believe that it's such a pronounced problem out there that someone has to really stick with it, has to actually move through some of these challenges to eventually get to a point where this is no longer a universal problem, but it's something that we look three, five years down the line and laugh that when we used to actually use a tape measure to measure ourselves, right? Or something like that, right? So that is the biggest challenge that I have, but also the most rewarding part, because I can tell you when I look back, sometimes even six months (laughs) or three months, I tend to laugh and say, wow, I remember when that was thought to never have happened, or that was a challenge, or we couldn't hire that person. So that's the most rewarding part as well, is that every time we cross a milestone, you can sort of get to look back at what you just accomplished and know that you can accomplish the next milestone in front of you. Love that. 
Well, honey, it has been a real pleasure getting to know you and dig a little bit deeper into FitMatch, how it all works, what's coming down the pike. Thank you again so much for taking the time out to join me today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure as well. And to all of you, if you have any follow-up questions or comments around this episode, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. And of course, if you liked today's episode, leave it a review on on your preferred podcast player. We would love to hear from you. And finally, if you have not subscribed to this series and you want to get the latest and greatest conversations with some of the industry's top innovators and change makers like Hanif, we encourage you to do so. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else. We are likely there. And you will get new episodes delivered to your device as soon as they're available. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.